Okay, so um, <clears throat> I don't know if you could understand Edward there at the end. <clears throat> Thank you. So Edward, uh, he was being translated into Bimba, which is their native language. Um, and he was just saying thanks. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you, Cornerstone Church, for your support over the years. And uh, just uh, a reminder that uh, when we give our general offering, 15% goes to support missions all around the world. And that includes uh, the ministry that's happening there in Zambia and in Kitway. And then all of we were raising support, and you guys supported us above and beyond what we would have ever thought. So I want to thank you for your support. Um, you know, it was like six years ago, uh, we as a church ministry, the missions ministry, were uh, believing that God wanted us to focus somewhere in the world. Just, you know, that it would be better for us to, to focus somewhere, build a long-term relationship, go in and continue to build relationships with that ministry and with those people, rather than just kind of going, you know, one time and leaving and, and not really building a relationship or spreading ourselves all over the place. We felt like we needed to focus somewhere, and God led us to, um, to Kitway, Zambia. And so we've been building a relationship with them over these years, going back to the first trip was 2014. And uh, we skipped 2017, 18, mainly because of things going on in my life. My parents both passing away last year kept us from taking a team. But <clears throat> it's been really neat uh, to see uh, God's work there. If you noticed in the video, there was a banner that was up at different uh, locations. And I think we have a slide of that banner. And it's just, again, them expressing their gratitude. You know, thank you for restoring our hope. You have built us a house of the Lord, so you've seen us. Uh, we were working on the construction of a church building, and uh, so that's what they're referring to there. And then it says you have bought a, for us a, a bus. We've helped them purchase a, a mini bus. Uh, they need a way to be able to transport those 27 children at the orphanage and the boys at the boys' ranch, et cetera. And so we've been able to help with that. And then you feed us uh, every day. And so uh, part of what we're doing, we've been doing is helping to feed 300 children a day uh, there in Kitway and uh, a, villa, a, a little community called Chapada, a very, very poor uh, community. And so um, we're helping to feed through them uh, 300 children a day. A few weeks back, I showed some uh, slides that kind of give a picture of the transition that's taken place over the years. So this first one goes to Chapada. In year 2014, our first trip, all they had at lower uh, slide just shows a one little little room there that maybe held 50 kids, and that's what they had. So they had a the feeding center in school. Uh, they may have been feeding and in, in, in schooling 60, 70, 80 kids. <clears throat> uh, by 2016, been able to add a building with our help, and uh, they were teaching and feeding 150. Uh, children, and then now 2019, uh, it's 300, you know, children. <clears throat> so that's the progression, and we've been able to help, you know, be a part of that. Uh, the next slide, I think, shows again what's happened. You saw some of those pictures with the farming, because part of what we're doing is we're coming alongside to help them to be able to develop their their crops, etc. We've put in irrigation systems, water wells, that sort of thing so that they can feed themselves and so that they can sell it and help and hopefully become self-supportive. And that's that's our goal. And so, again, you see 2014, you go back to that slide, uh, 2014, 
little, not much there in terms of what was developed. 2016, we put in irrigation, so it's beginning to be developed. And then 2019, I mean, it's exploded <coughs> with uh, the banana plants and other crops and stuff that they're growing there. And so it's a, you see a real progression. Then the next slide is at the church itself. Going back to 2014, they were just in a little wood structure. You can kind of see, I mean, they don't even have a, a roof, really. Um, and no chairs or anything, just kind of wood, uh, you know, planks to sit on. And then 2016, we were able to help them. Uh, get into a tent, and uh, they still are operating under that tent, as you can see. But you know, 2019, we're helping them build a church building, and you saw us help working on the trusses and stuff. So they're hoping to have that roof on by the end of October, because that's when the rainy season starts. And then uh, by this time next year, they'll have that building finished out, and we will have been a part of that. So again, thank you for all your support, and that uh, gives you a little bit of a picture. So what I want to do now is um, introduce the team that went uh, this year, and so uh, this is Lori Robinson right here. Um, I ride her first time to go, and Joshua Inman, his first time to go, and Vicki Roden, her second time, and Frank and Kathy Langford, their third time, and then Tom Betcher, second time, and Dave Boyer, his uh, first time uh, to go on a trip there. So that's the team. <clears throat> And uh, we're going to take an opportunity now and kind of interview them, kind of get their perspective, get some feedback from them. And as it goes with the first service, we didn't get everybody, so we're going to cover the ones we didn't get in, uh, in the first service. Um, we're also going to do a more full report next Sunday afternoon at Rosser from 4 to 5.30 if you're interested, so I just want to mention that. But I am going to start off with Frank again, because uh, Frank uh, went with us three years ago. Well, uh, it was four years ago. It was the first time. Uh, and uh, has, I think, a, you know, a good perspective on the changes that have happened, uh, both physically and spiritually. And uh, I want to give you a chance to share a little bit like you did in the first service. Thank you, Pastor. Um, you know, we celebrated communion today, and it's one of the things that uh, Jesus told us to do regularly. He also gave us a new command. He said to go out and to love others as he loves us. It's by this love that uh, they'll know that we're his disciples. He also gave us a, a commission, and he said to go out and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at the, the heart of discipleship is transformation, specifically transformation of a heart. And what was perhaps unique about uh, Pastor Clovis, uh, Kathy, myself, because we've been there multiple times, we've been able to witness that transformation. Um, not just transformation in the land, going from a dry field, giving it some water, and watching it produce fruit, uh, but transformation in the hearts of people, giving them living water and watching them produce spiritual fruit. Um, when you consider the influence that these ministries that come out of uh, Sour Rose and Church on the Rock, they influence literally thousands of people. Um, we see the pictures of hundreds of children being fed. Well, they represent hundreds of families in that community which represent thousands of people that um, 
live and work in that community or go from that community. Uh, over 6,000 babies were saved from abortion who were going to have babies of their own and families of their own and multiple tens of thousands. And to see the ministries uh, thrive and transform, to see the hearts of the people, uh, these little children that have become teenagers, teenagers that have become young men and women, and just to see their love for Christ and the way they've matured spiritually as well as physically, um, it was a unique perspective. It's something uh, like a 30,000-foot view. You, you see God's hand at work, and it's just an honor and privilege for us to be part of that. Amen. So I'm going to ask uh, Vicki to share again, like she did in the first service, um, just, you know, what led her to go or want to be a part of this team going back uh, 2016, I think was her first trip, and uh, the whole relational side of, of being a part of this ministry. Thank you. First of all, I just want to say thank you to all of you. Um, you've prayed for us, you supported us financially, and you sent us on our way, and you welcomed us back. I, my heart just is overflowing with just um, the amazing generosity of Cornerstone Church, and it was felt all the way around the world. I know some of you were praying for us every day, and I know that we all felt that. We felt supported and carried by you all. Um, back at the, when Cornerstone sent their first team to Zambia, uh, when they returned, they had a day much like this where they showed us pictures and video and told their stories, and I was captivated. I just thought, what an amazing experience that must have been for those people. Uh, that evening, we um, gathered, maybe it was some months later, that Barbara Mwanza um, came to visit Cornerstone, and we had a gathering at Rosser Street, and again, captivated by her story and uh, what the whole Sarah Rose Foundation stands for. Um, Barbara started the very first crisis pregnancy center in Kitwe, Zambia, in all of Zambia, um, back, way back in 98. Uh, one thing led to another, and she established a continent-wide organization um, in Africa called AFLA, Africans for Life. And through that organization and through the help of Silent Voices from Kitwe, they have now established over 240 um, crisis pregnancy clinics all across Africa, um, and it's just because one woman very humbly said yes, wherever you take me, Lord. So um, fast forward, and I went home. The, when we were the, at that meeting, I talk, got to talk to Barbara, and I told her what I do for a living. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and so her story of taking care of women having their babies in really horrible circumstances really resonated with my heart. And um, when I told her that, she took my arm and looked me straight in the eye and said, you must come. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> the, I, I just felt this compelling in my heart that, yeah, I, I needed to go. Um, it took a couple of years of God working out details and getting me over being kind of afraid to go. Um, and I talked with my husband and it all worked out. I got to go three years ago for the first time, and I was so impressed by the strength of the relationships, by their wel warm, warm welcome to us. I was a total stranger to them. The, I knew Barbara and I knew Edward, but that strange feeling didn't last for very long. Um, they very quickly welcomed me into their hearts, um, into their lives for just that short time. 
then this opportunity to come this year came around and I remember turning to my husband and saying, I'm going. And he said, I know. <laughs> the, um, and just, the, and now having been again, um, wondering, would they remember me? Um, will it be the same? Will it be different? And oh, it was just so much richer. Um, our team went with a stated purpose uh, that was threefold. One was to listen to hear what they had to say, to hear how they live their life, to hear how they work out their faith in Christ, to learn about how they do life, about how they relate to others in their community and um, in their families, and also to encourage, uh, to come alongside them and to live life with them for even a short time. And I can say with confidence that our team did a good job of that whether it be individually or corporately in larger groups, um, I can honestly say that we were able to offer encouragement to them and also to receive encouragement from them. Um, the, I was often asked before I went, what are you looking forward to most? You know, what, what is it about Zambia that's drawing you back? And I'll just draw your attention to that picture of, um, with the green background, and that's Mama Kalina in the middle. Um, with one of her famous Mama Kalina hugs, and that's what I could hardly wait for, was a Mama Kalina hug. Um, Mama Kalina has been the house mother at the Sarah, Orf Sarah Rose Orphanage for about 15 years, and she mothers those 27 children as if they were her own. Um, indeed, she mothers us. Uh, she loves us dearly as we love her, and uh, um, just we are just we're your representatives there at Sarah Rose. We, they know that Cornerstone Church loves them and that um, they love us back. I'm so grateful for having had the opportunity and to see people I had seen before three years ago and to see them again and they actually remembered me. Some of them did. Um, and that just, that was just such an amazing experience in my own heart. Um, thank you Cornerstone for sending us and for enabling us to have this incredible opportunity. Thanks. I want to turn to Kathy, um, who has also been three times uh, now and so has seen the transformation as well, but worked uh, in a number of places. But I would particularly want to talk about Chapada. That's where we were doing uh, vacation Bible school with uh, 400 kids. And, um, and just share your thoughts about that. And then I know we want to talk a little bit about Global Fingerprints, but talk first about just the experience, particularly at Chapada. Well, Chapada is a neighborhood that the locals call Shantytown. And it truly is Shantytown. It is a big, giant community with little, tiny sheds a lot of them with the, with no flooring, just dirt flooring, and a bunch of people living in them. So um, the the feeding center or St. Michael's School, I'm not quite sure where they got the name from. Um, they do some teaching and then they also do some feeding. So um, they're feeding 300 kids a day. Um, it's a plate and has what they call shima, which is cornmeal and water mixed together into this cream of wheat-like paste that goes flopped onto the, onto the plate. And then there's a little bit of greens or cabbage to give it some flavor next to it. And then if they have a protein, either a soy chicken or some hot dogs or something, that will go on the plate too. So um, 
what we do is we dish up these plates, a normal sized plate with a heaping, you know, portion. And then we set it down on the ground and four or five children will gather around that plate and they will all share it eating with their hands. And none of those plates ever come back with a single thing on it. Um, these kids, if you can imagine being rushed by 300 kids when you get out of a bus, it's chaos. But it literally brought tears to our eyes to see how loving, and they just want to hold your hand, they want to shake your hand. Um, it, it's, it's such a privilege for us to be there. And just kind of following up with that, so I mentioned Global Fingerprints. Uh, Global Fingerprints is a child sponsorship program that many of our, our people are already sponsoring children. There, it's much like Compassion, but it's through Reach Global, which is the Evangelical Free Church's ministry or, or uh, mission ministry. And so I know in particular we realized that there were a few children at the orphanage and I think maybe one out at the boys' ranch that still aren't sponsored. And uh, so that was dear to your heart. I wanted to give you a few minutes or a minute to share about that. Well, Frank and I have had the unusual privilege of meeting our own sponsored brothers. And that is a super special relationship. So it's kind of, a, you know, inspired me to have a look at Global Fingerprints and who is not sponsored there. Now, most of the kids in Zambia are sponsored by Cornerstone Church from Prescott, Arizona. But I did discover there was four kids at the orphanage that are still do not have sponsors. And they're, they are the first four pictures there. The first boy, Pascal, has got special needs. He's got cerebral palsy. He was born there. Kalina, Mama Kalina said she held him in the palm of her hand and fed him with an eyedropper. He was a twin birth. And um, his brother died, but he's still there. These other kids have similar stories. Um, Apollo was brought there as a baby. Fanny came because her mother's mentally ill, and she's 17 years old. Nicholas also came as a baby. And then Moses there on the end came to the boys' ranch recent, recently, um, seven months ago. He's been begging on the streets ever since he was five. So one of the workers found him and brought him there. So I would encourage you, if, you're, if you feel it in your heart, to sponsor one of these kids. You go to globalfingerprints.org. You can, you can select a country, and you can find these, the first four kids. Um, number five will be on there shortly. But it is a, it's a rewarding thing. It reminds me of a um, story Tom Garrishay said once about the starfish. You can... You're saving that one, or you, you know, there's needs for millions, but you may be able to help that one. Um, Chapada also has kids that are that are up for sponsorship. The kids that are out at the feeding center. So I'd encourage you to go to that website, have a look. There's pictures. There's a little bit of history. It is something that's really important to my heart, and so I just wanted to share it with you. Yeah, so it's like $35 a month if you're interested in being a part of that, and it will help provide some basic support to them. So you can see on the screen, you know, uh, how to contact either Kathy or you can contact uh, Global Fingerprints or contact the church, and we'll help uh, connect you with that. So I'm going to turn to Tom. Uh, Tom Betchers is the second time uh, to go. Tom 
especially worked um, on the construction of the church as well as with the boys at the boys ranch he's built a special relationship uh, with one of the elders of the church alfred uh, but i'm going to just kind of leave it a little bit open to you share a few minutes maybe a little bit about the construction so we can kind of get that in but uh, anything else related to your experience this time on the trip thank you clovis and thank you cornerstone again i know you've heard it but we can't tell you just how much your support meant to us, your prayers. It was a, a long trip over, and your prayers strengthened and encouraged us so that we could be an encouragement to them. Um, we did some construction, as you saw some pictures on the church. Um, the three older guys here were there and helping, and uh, it was all manual labor. We're putting up some 50-foot uh, trusses up there, all hand-welded on site and uh, hand-painted, usually hand-painted within about 15 minutes of us putting them up. So uh, we're running up and uh, climbing up and down the... Uh, scaffolding there and straightening as we place them in place uh, when we first showed up there were none up there and by the time we left we had every of the every one of the trusses up uh, so they'll be able to start roofing hopefully in the next week or so before the rainy season comes and they're going to have a place uh, that can be secured, that they can worship in together. Uh, it's a witness and testimony to their community. Many from the community came and helped us, just walked up and offered their help, and we worked beside them. Um, Clovis mentioned one of the elders there, uh, Bernard, uh, sorry, Alfred. And three years ago when I met Alfred, he was our driver and interpreter and he had lost his wife and child in childbirth just a few months before we got there. And it was a privilege just to sit and practice listening, encouraging him. And he was in a very dark space, as you can well imagine, if you've lost someone in your family, someone close to you. Well, it's been three years, and we're coming back. In the three years, he has remarried and has a little baby girl named Lilata. And what a wonderful little family. But just to see him, his whole countenance is different. He's full of joy. And uh, he's working and walking in that. And you can see it in everything he says, everybody he touches. And uh, see the work that God has done with him and our uh, relationship has developed over the last three years thank goodness to like messenger and texting and it's been a pleasure just to be there relationship is what it's all about and you guys all of our your support enabled us to be there and they thank you for sending us to them amen Okay, we're going to close out uh, the sharing time. I'm going to get it back to Josh. So Joshua, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I said Josh. But anyway, Joshua, um, 
is uh, one youth that made it on this trip, and so uh, I wanted to give him an opportunity to share from a youth's perspective being a part of this. Uh, his sister Jenna went uh, three years ago and was there for six weeks with the Trek 7 program, but uh, Joshua, we don't have a lot of time, but share just a little bit from your perspective what it was like to go and, and the impact that it had on you. Um, well, it was amazing to be there. Um, one of the really cool things for me was being at the boys' ranch because it's a bunch of boys that are my age who have incredible testimonies of parents um, dying or rejecting them and being on the streets begging for money. And then they've came to this place and they're developing as Christians and eager to learn more about God, just being able to be with them and create relationships that um, we'll be able to continue for years to come um, was incredible and um, that's, that was a big thing for me was the relationships it was amazing how quickly and strongly the relationships we were able to create Amen so everyone else had a chance to share in the first service so we're not going to get to everybody today but again, I want to remind you that uh, next Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock uh, to 5.30, be a more extended time opportunity for us to answer questions, if you have any questions, and uh, talk more about the ministry. So please join us there at the Rosser campus next Sunday. Uh, right now, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to pray, and then Scott's going to come out. He has a few things to share, particularly about at the movies, and then we're going to close out our service. So if you'll join me in praying father just thanks again for your goodness and the opportunity we had to be a part of what you're doing uh, around the world particularly in zambia and in kitway we thank you for the ministry of the church on the rock and sarah rose foundation the thousands of lives that are being touched and impacted there and that we were able just to come alongside and be a source of encouragement to them we pray god that your hand would continue to be working there and with our other ministries around the world so we thank you god for this privilege i thank you for cornerstone church it's hard for missions not only around the world but here locally and uh, we just uh, give you the praise and pray, and pray this in jesus name amen let's give a round of applause to the zambia team well uh as i said earlier uh there is this common thread that's moving through this service and it started with communion and uh, then you just heard it here with the Zambia team and um, I hope to kind of bring that together but to do so I'm going to kind of start a little bit ways away and work on my back um, as they were talking about stories this week I thought about a story from my own life um, and I grew up in a hot place I grew up in Las Vegas Nevada it was sweltering all summer and so for me the highlight of, of my childhood well one of them was uh, when my parents allowed me and my friends to walk down to 7-eleven and get a slurpee by ourselves just that modicum of independence was a big big moment and so I can remember summer day after summer day going down to 7-Eleven and getting a Slurpee. My favorite flavor was the Surge Slurpee because what 14-year-old doesn't need caffeine plus sugar in a 64-ounce cup? I mean, it's just a great combination. Um, but if you've ever had a Slurpee before, you know that there's an art to filling a Slurpee cup. You have to first begin with the largest cup that you can find because you don't drink Slurpees in moderation. Um, and then you need to get a dome lid. Because if you have a flat lid, you miss out on just all this extra Slurpee at the top, you know? And so you don't want to do that. 
So I would go to, into 7-Eleven, which they don't have here in Prescott, by the way. I've already Googled it. You've got to go to Flagstaff or Phoenix, unless you want to knock off, and then there's other places. But I, w- I would go in there, and I'd get my favorite one, and I'd pull the little nozzle down, and I'd fill my cup up to about right here where the cup ended, and then I'd turn it off. And this one little thing changed everything for me. My friend taught me that when you finished it, you had to do this. Because there's all this air in the Slurpee. So you'd pound it, let it fall down, then you fill it to the top, you'd pop it up like it is right here, and then that little portion outside of the lid, you'd kind of eat on your way to pay for it. <laughs> and that's how you got a great experience for like $1.49. Um, and so I had a great experience drinking Slurpees as a kid, and then one day somebody showed me a verse about Slurpees in the Bible. <laughs> I call this the Slurpee verse, and some of you have never read this verse in this way, but it's going to change for you today. In Luke 6, it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And the person who shared this with me, they asked me this really interesting question. They said, when you think about Slurpees and you think about this verse, this question comes up. And the question is this. What would happen if you made, Scott, room for God to do more in your life? What, what, what if you actually made room for God to do more, Scott? What if, what if you actually expanded your view of what God was capable of doing? What if you expected him to do this kind of thing where it's pressed down, shaken together, running over that? That's what God is capable of doing. What if you expected that? Now, some of you, when you hear me say this, you think, Scott, this sounds like something that I've heard other places, or maybe I left behind this unhealthy version of Christianity called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is actually the number one theology the West has imported to Africa, where our friends came from. And the prosperity gospel, if you've never heard of it, it's this, this twisting of verses like Luke six thirty-eight that says that God's intent for all of us is for us to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. The only problem with the prosperity gospel is it doesn't work when you look at the experience of the early church. It doesn't work when it comes to the experience of our brothers and sisters in Kitway, Zambia. And it doesn't fit the experience of the places in the world where Christianity is growing the fastest in Africa and Asia. In all of those places, they are not always happy, They're most certainly not always healthy. And compared to the rest of us, they are far from wealthy. So I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel today. But I am am challenging many of you to consider the fact that we cannot abandon the truth of God's word just because someone twisted it. We're not going to go through the Bible and just cut out all the passages that people have improperly taught. God's word is more powerful than our bad interpretations of it. And so when I went back and I read the Slurpee verse, and then I read this verse, it started to challenge me. You see, in Matthew Matthew 7, Jesus' longest teaching, he said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Of which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Today I've only got a 10-minute message, so I only have time for one big question. And that's this. Have I really allowed God to set my vision for what he is capable of doing? Because I think you and me, were not that different. I think most of us set our expectation for what God can do based upon our experience. Not based upon God's character. And so as a result, a lot of us lower our expectations because we don't want to be disappointed. I know lots of people who say, I don't have expectations anymore. I say, why not? Because I was tired of being disappointed. That works if you're trying to manage a hard season in life, but it doesn't work if you're trying to live in light of who God is. And the scriptures call us to not shrink down our vision of what God is capable of based upon our limited experience. The scriptures call us to blow out our expectation of what God is capable of doing because he is bigger and larger than we could imagine. And so let me bring this to a real specific application are at the movie series. We've been asking you for the last four weeks to pray for and invite people to this series. And I can't tell you what's going to happen. I can tell you a couple things. I can tell you that you're going to be able to eat popcorn in church. If you've never done that before, that's going to happen next week. I can tell you that you might laugh if you're the kind of person who likes to laugh in church. I can tell you that you're going to be able to have an opportunity to bring somebody to hear the gospel in a clear and compelling way. But what I can tell you is this. That Jesus loves your friends and family more than you do. Jesus loves your friends and family more than you do. Jesus is more committed to the people in your life who don't know him coming to know him than you do. He's done more than you and I will ever do to make it possible for them to come to him. And in Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What that verse means is that the people in your life that you have put in a box and said, this is all you will ever be, You don't get to do that if you're a follower of Jesus. Because guess what? God has already exploded that box when it comes to you. Think about where you were. Think about who you would be. Think about where you would be and what you would be like if it hadn't been for Jesus. Some of you are already well beyond what anybody thought was possible. And if that's possible for you, and that's true in you, then what could God do in the people that he loves more than you and the people he's already given his life for? So when you leave today, you're going to see some cars on the tables. There's about 200 out of 2,000 left. And we're going to ask you to prayerfully invite people. I'm going to go invite somebody tomorrow. I don't know how it's going to go. It's going to be awkward. And I'm going to try to bury it at the end of my day so that I have no more time for it because I'm human. But guess what? I'm going to end up there because I care about that person more than I care about my comfort. And I ask you, 
to do the same. One thing, if you've got kids that typically come to the service with you, next week's movie that we're pulling clips from is a PG-13 movie. And so if you want to put your kids in our programming, we'd encourage you to do that. But it's a really powerful movie, and I watched it again this week. And I believe God's going to use it to help redeem some people's stories. So this week, when you go to the gas station and fill up with gas, you can either buy a Slurpee, or you can be disciplined and healthy and watch somebody else buy a Slurpee. But either way, I hope you see this differently. And I hope you ask this really important question. God, have I allowed you to set my vision for what you're capable of doing? And am I expecting what you're truly capable of? Or have I lowered that down? The same things that happened in Zambia are possible in Prescott. And if you were praying for what was happening in Zambia, I'd ask that you pray just as as intensely for what's going to happen in Prescott. And for our eight friends who were up here, I pray that you're as committed to the gospel in Prescott as you were in Zambia. Because God's at work here too. We didn't do this the first service because we had to get done in time for you all to come into church today. But I'm going to ask if you're able for you to get down on your knees right now. If you're watching online, I'd like to ask for you to get down on your knees as well. And we're going to pray for the people that we know that God is putting on our hearts to use us in their life so that they might come to discover what we found. God, we thank you so much that you love our family and friends who don't know you more than we do. We thank you that you've done more than we have. You've done what we couldn't. And that's to die on the cross and conquer the grave so that they could know the kind of transformation and change that we've experienced. God, we pray that you would fill us with courage and boldness this week to make an invite or make a phone call or send a text or share a Facebook post to bring somebody with us next Sunday so that they could have a life-changing encounter with you. God, we thank you for the people who are part of our stories, who loved us, who encouraged us, who prayed for us, and who shared your good news with us. And God, we pray that we would give that gift that we received to somebody else. We pray that we would do for others what others have done for us. And God, we pray that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine for your glory in this church. And we pray that you'd give us a front row seat to see that happen. God, help us to see bigger. Help us to pray larger. And help us to expect more. Because you are the God who does all that we can ask or imagine. And then even more than that. And it's in your name we pray today. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.